Well, welcome everybody to our Advent season. And Advent season is a period of longing and waiting. And I think um, moving forward, um, our Advent season is to be longing and waiting to see if that uh, fire candle lighter works. You know, it, you know. I, I tried it this morning, and it worked. It just gave me flashbacks to my Easter sermon uh, illustration with those ping pong balls. That I tried it, it worked, and when I got up here, it didn't work. Um, but anyway, here at Mission Valley, we're flexible, and we can laugh at ourselves, so that's good. Um, but anyway, um, we start our Advent season. We're coming right off of a, a Thanksgiving sermon led by, uh, shared by, preached by Michael um, last weekend. He did an amazing job, and wasn't that a wonderful story? He ended with how he led his, you know, father to Jesus Christ, and he was thankful of that, and, um, you know, these decorations are a reminder that, yes, it's Christmas, you know, and Kiki and um, some of the youth helped her um, do this, and so, you know, we're just so blessed. Oh, I'm so blessed also to have Mako and Kiki a, a part of our staff, and I appreciate them very much. But, you know, as we come um, before Christmas, and it's really interesting as you compare, let's say, an adult experience to Christmas and a child experience to Christmas. And, you know, you think about your own experience to Christmas, that it couldn't come fast enough. You know, when, you know, I was growing up as a kid, the one movie that ushered in the season was Rudolph the Red-Nosed Reindeer. Remember that Burrow Ives? You know, was, um, and whenever that happened, whenever I saw that, it's like Christmas is coming. And then it was just agony, just waiting for Christmas Sunday to come. For the time when we could come and open our presents. The time when we could come and look in the closets. You know, look under the beds to maybe see what kind of Christmas presents that we were going to get. And then the worst was Christmas Eve, as you're just lying in bed, waiting and waiting and waiting until maybe 5 o'clock in the morning, and then you go rushing into your parents' room, and you start jumping on your bed, getting your mom and dad up and say, come on, let's look, we got to open our presents. You know, and that was, maybe for some of us, that was our experience. But as a parent and as an adult, it's totally different. It's like, why, Christmas again? You know, man, it's only what? It's the second already. You only have 23 more days. Can't we push it back a little? You know, I need time to go shopping. I need time to start planning the parties. I need time to do all of these things. And what was a time of longing and anticipation for a child as an adult, it's, oh my goodness, it's going to be a time of anxiety, <laughs> a time of stress. And you know, for those of you who don't know, I, you know, I worked in the airlines before, um, you know, I became a pastor, and you know, I was a uh, worked at the gate area for Continental Airlines, or so the gate um, ticket counter and baggage service. And I just learned to really not look forward to the holidays, because I knew at Thanksgiving, I knew at Christmas that we were going to get killed. You know, and I just couldn't wait for Christmas and Thanksgiving to come and go, so life could get back to normal again. But today, um, our Advent series is called Hope. 
Because that is a central, I believe that's what the central message of Christmas, of hope. You know, and I don't know where you are today in your life. Some of you might be going through a wonderful time where life is good. Well, you know, praise God and we're happy for you. You know, other, time, other of you right now might be going through a more difficult time. Where it may be relationally. You know, spouse, your, your children, your extended family members or, or friends, co-workers. You know, some of you might be going through a tough time in your, your, your workplace or um, all of these other circumstances that you never saw coming are just happening right now. And you're in need of hope. And this is what Christmas is all about. And we are going to take a look at a person whom Christmas gave hope. God told Abraham that he would be the father of a great nation and that his offspring would be more numerous than the stars in the sky and that through him the whole world would be blessed. And there was a group of people throughout the generations who followed God faithfully, who obeyed his commandments because they were waiting for the Messiah. And they believed that the Messiah could come at, every, at any moment. So they chose to live a righteous life in anticipation for the fulfillment of the promise that God gave to Abraham that they would be a blessing to many nations. And they would live their lives generation after generation. Thousands of years would pass, yet they didn't see the Messiah. But they were faithful, and they died without seeing a promise. And maybe that's your story right now, where, okay, you read Scripture, and you see the promises in Scripture, but you're not seeing them happen in your life or being realized in your life right now. And day after day, month after month, year after year goes by, and you're saying, when, God, when are you going to deliver me from this? But you can imagine the discouragement of these people. Day after day after day, they tried their best to live a life that's worthy of the coming of the Messiah. But nothing. And some of us, this might be your story where you're saying, why am I doing this? You know, you know living the Christian life isn't easy. Why am I doing this? You know, at some point... Um, we all get into that, um, you know, this rut where we're thinking, you know, we're doing our best to live a righteous life. And God, where are you? Where are the promises that you promised me? Because I don't see them in my life. And today, once again, we're going to look at one uh, couple and see that there is hope. That there is hope despite God seemingly being silent. And for all of you right now who are sitting here and it appears that God is silent in your life, you know, this sermon is for you. So if you have your Bibles, can you turn with me to Luke 
chapter 1, verse 5. We're going to start with Luke, chapter 1, verse 5. And if you don't have the Bible, you could look at the Sky Bible, as Marco, Pastor Marco calls it. But this is what the author says. In the days of Herod, the king of Judah. Now, Herod was a king that we all know that went out. And when Jesus was born, he was one that uh, killed all the babies. There was a priest named Zechariah in the division of Abijah. He had a wife from the daughters of Aaron, and her name was Elizabeth. So it centers around this priest named Zechariah. And not only um, was he a priest, he had a wife named Elizabeth, who was from the daughters of Aaron, who was, that was the priestly line of Israel. And so if you go to the next verse, and it says, and they were both righteous before God, walking blamelessly in all the commandments and the statutes of the Lord. Once again, remember I was saying that generation after generation after generation passed without seeing the coming of the Messiah. You know, thousands of years had passed. Yet there was always, there was always a group of Israelites or Jewish people who lived righteously in anticipating of the coming of the Messiah. And these were two of the people. Despite not seeing the promise, they say continued to live a life walking blamelessly in the, all the commandments and statutes of the Lord. There's this period of silence between the Old Testament and then the New Testament. When the book of Malachi was closed and was finished, 400 years passed before we see God moving in the lives of Israel, before we see this um, passage written in Luke. 400 years have gone by where God was silent or seemingly silent. And this is why they call it the 400 years of silence, the 400 years between the Old Testament and the New Testament. And so this is a period they were living in. Once again, they didn't know if the Messiah was going to come in their lifetime because it was 400 years since they haven't heard anything from God. But to make matters worse, um, in 65 BC, there was a Roman general, Pompey, and he conquered Jerusalem and he went into the Jewish temple to ransack it. You know, for the gold and the silver and all of the di- different items they had. But he walked into the holies of holies. Now, back then, when the temple was built, no one but no one was allowed in this one area of the temple called the holies of holies. And the only person that was allowed in there was a high priest. And once a year, he would go in there to offer a sacrifice for the Israelites. If anybody else went in there, they would automatically die. They would all, because they were in the presence of God. And so if that high priest um, didn't live a life worthy of being a high priest, even though he was allowed in there, he would also die. And so what they would do is they would tie a rope around him, right? And he would go and offer a sacrifice for the people of Israel. And if he was worthy, he would live. But if he died, no one was allowed in there to go get him. And so they had to pull him out with a rope because that was the only way they could bring him out of there. So it was a sacred place. And yet this pagan general, Pompey, walks in there 
and God does nothing. He wasn't killed. He wasn't killed. And Zechariah probably saw this. And he's probably wondering, God, you know, you've been silent. And this one man desecrated our most holy place. And in the past, you struck them dead. But now this, this heathen comes and you do nothing. And so this was a world that he was um, growing up in. Because as we see later on, Zechariah knew the promise of Abraham that we see um, in Genesis 12, where God says to Abraham, I will make you into a great nation, and I will bless you, and I will make your name great, and you will be a blessing. I will bless those who bless you, and whoever curses you I will curse, and all the peoples of the earth will be blessed through you. Basically, all the peoples of the earth will be blessed through you. That was referring to the coming of the Messiah. That through you, the Messiah was going to come. And everybody on earth is going to be blessed by the Messiah. And this is the promise they were clinging on to. Thousands of years has passed. But even within those thousands of years, 400 of those years, God was silent. Yet... Yet, they still chose to remain faithfulness. Faithful, I'm sorry. If we go on to verse 7. But they had no child because Elizabeth was barren and they were advanced in their years. You know, they were, they were righteous. The Bible says they were righteous. They walked blamelessly before the Lord. And what do they get for their righteousness? It says right here. But they had no child. Now, um, back then, we have to really understand um, the heaviness of this one verse. Because back in those times, having, bearing children, especially sons, was pretty much the best honor a mother could have. Because women weren't honored um, or you know, held in high esteem or valued back then. The only value a woman had was to bear children. That's the only value that she had. And if a woman didn't back then, they had no value. But worse than that, they believed it was a woman's fault. Right? Today we know if you know, you're struggling to have a child, there could be a lot of different you know, medical reasons. But back then, they, if a woman could not have a child, everyone blamed the woman. What sin is she committing? Because God is cursing her because she can't have a child. And so she was held in, wherever they, she went, people would talk about her. She would be the one that would go to Ralph's and people would be pointing at her, talking about her behind her back. Saying, oh, what did she do? She must have done something really bad. You know, and this was the life of a woman who didn't bear a child. And this is what Elizabeth had to go through. And it says they were both advanced in years. So it wasn't like she was young. No, she was old. So she had to go through a good portion of her life being ridiculed and made fun of, gossiped about. You know, persecuted. And yet, in the midst of all of this, 
not seeing the promise, you know, wondering if the Messiah is going to be coming, not being able to have a child, she still remained faithful to God. Let's go to the next um, verse. It says, Now while he was serving as a priest, meaning Zechariah, before God, when his division was on duty, according to the custom of the priesthood, he was chosen by lot to enter the temple and burn incense. Basically, there was about 23 different groups of priests. And what they would do is they would cast lots to see who could burn the incense. So this is a great honor, and sometimes this could have been maybe a once-in-a-lifetime deal. So, you know, here they're, they're kind of like gambling and rolling the dice, and, oh, Zachariah, it's your turn. And so it says, and the whole multitude of the people were praying outside at the hour of the incense. So here Zachariah goes in by himself to the place to offer incense. And then what happens? And there appeared to him an angel of the Lord standing on the right side of the altar of incense. Okay, that would probably freak him out. I mean, could you imagine just going through your daily duties, you know, 400 years of God not saying anything. Hey, I get to offer this incense. I go in there and all of a sudden, I go, dude, there's an angel right next to me. And what, did, what happens here? It says, and Zachariah was troubled when he saw him and fear fell upon him. You know, and what did the angel say? This is the standard greeting that angels gave when they came in contact with humans. It says, but the angel said to him, do not be afraid, Zechariah. Now, that was a standard greeting. You know, I know a lot of us, we see cute little, you know, when we think of angels, we think of these cute little maybe kids, or we think about these, you know, beautiful people with wings. But it was really a terrifying experience to see an angel. And so back then he was so terrified, but the angel said, don't be afraid for your prayer has been heard and your wife Elizabeth will bear you a son and you shall call his name John. Wow. Wow. 400 years of silence. His watching his wife suffer ridicule. Now they're old. And then an angel Appears and says, For your prayer has been heard. Do you think they were just praying that maybe a few hours? Lord, could you please send an angel to come and uh, let me know that we're going to have a child? No, I bet you she was praying that her entire life. She was praying that her entire life. And what does the angel say? Your prayer has been heard. How many times do we feel like that, right? We pray, and we pray, and we pray, and then we pray some more, and nothing. This verse gives us hope that God listens. God listens. And there is a timing for everything. There is a timing for everything. So if you're in a situation right now and you're just praying, you're praying, God, could you do this for me? God, please deliver me of this. And you're not hearing anything. It is so easy for us to get discouraged. It is so easy to say, God, you don't care. I mean, 400 years of silence. 400 years of silence. But God heard her prayer. That all the time 
she came before him in tears, praying before God, asking God to take her out of this horrible situation. And it's not like she was asking for, like, the world, if you could just give me a son. But all those years of tears, God heard her. God heard her. And it says, your prayer has been answered. God hears your prayers. Just because we pray and pray and pray and nothing happens. We don't hear anything from God. We look at the promises of Scripture and we don't see them realized in our life. It doesn't mean that God doesn't care. It doesn't mean that God doesn't listen. God always does things in his own timing, which is perfect. And God answers our prayers in maybe ways that we don't want him to, but he always answers our prayers in a way that's best for us and according to his will, which is perfect. And this is a perfect example of that. And he goes on and says, You will have joy and gladness, and many will rejoice at his birth. You know, after all these years of suffering, you're going to have joy and you're going to have gladness. And yes, there were people who ridiculed you. There are people that pointed their finger at you and said, what secret sin are you committing that you don't have a child? But they will rejoice at your birth. Because there are some that journeyed with you. There are some that were hurting with you. And when you have that child, they will rejoice with you. Do you have people like that in your life? That you're just going through a struggle right now. You're not hearing God. But God bless the people in your life that stand with you. That walk with you through the years of unanswered prayers. Through the years of you praying with tears. For the years of them just feeling your hurt and your anguish. And not having the ability to do anything about it. But maybe pray for you. And stand with you. And say, you know, no matter what, I am with you. But for those people, they got to rejoice. They got to rejoice. And then he goes on. It says, for he will be great before the Lord. And he must not drink wine or strong drink. And he will be filled with the Holy Spirit. Even from his mother's womb. Wow. Even when he's in the mother's womb. Your child is going to be filled with the Holy Spirit. And the angel goes on and says, And he will turn many of the children of Israel to the Lord their God. And he will go, and he will go before him in the spirit and the power of Elijah, one of the greatest prophets, to turn the hearts of the fathers of the children and to be disobedient and the disobedient to the wisdom of the just and to make ready for the Lord a people prepared. Wow! Here all of this suffering goes on and this angel gives him an incredible message. I mean, his son is in the same sentence as Elijah. 
I mean, that's like, you know, you guys mentioning Billy Graham and me in the same sentence, comparing us, to, you know, to one another. I know that's never going to happen. It'd be nice if you could, you know, and help my ego every once in a while. But you, could you imagine that? His son was being named in the same sentence of Elijah. But even more than that, he was going to make ready for the Lord of people prepared. Wow. Is that an answer to prayer or what? Sometimes, you know, God answers our prayers in, you know, a practical way. And sometimes God just blows us away through his, the way he answers our prayer. And then he goes on to say, And Zechariah said to this angel, For how shall I know this? For I am an old man, and my wife is advanced in years. Now, men, this is kind of like um, him treating a subject delicately. You notice he says, I'm an old man. But how does he say his wife? But my wife is advanced in years. You get that? Guys, just remember that, okay? He didn't call, hey, but my wife's an old woman. No, I just, my wife. So he <laughs> tried to prop her up in the way that he um, tried to describe her situation. But once again, you know, who else had this same issue? Abraham. Abraham, right? Here he is and his wife suffering. You know, the, his son is going to, uh, is mentioned in the same line, sentence as Elijah. And yet he finds himself in the same situation as Abraham. Wow. And he says, well, how do I know this? Come on, God. I'm a faithful guy, but I'm also practical. I'm an old man. My wife is advanced in years. How is this going to happen? And there are some times where even though we know God could do this, we doubt. He knew the story of Abraham. He knew how God gave them a child in the midst of their old age. But when it came to him, I was like, oh, God, I don't know. Can you do this? And sometimes it's like that for us too, isn't it? We might say, oh, it worked for them, but God, can you do that for me? And why is that? Because sometimes maybe we just don't want to get our hopes up, right? What if we don't want to get our, what if we get our hopes up and then it doesn't happen? I get my hopes up for this job and somebody else you know, gets this position. I get this hope, I get my hopes up because I like this person. And this person (laughs) likes somebody else, you know. And sometimes we see that God works in the lives of others, but we don't appropriate that same power in our own lives because we protect ourselves from being hurt. And this is an example that what we see in Scripture We see the power of God acting in Scripture in the lives of so many different people. That same God is the same God that's living inside each one of you, and that is the same God that can make things happen in your life. And we see that here. And then 
What does the angel reply? And the angel answered him, Well, I am Gabriel. I stand in the presence of God. And I was sent to speak to you and bring you this good news. Now, when he says, I am Gabriel, that's the, Gabriel's not an ordinary angel. Okay. We believe that angel, Gabriel was an archangel. The highest ranking angel in the heavenly host. It was an archangel. We know of Gabriel, and another one we know is Michael. Michael was an archangel. And so this was no ordinary angel that sent the message. It was Gabriel. And he says, I am Gabriel, and I stand in the presence of God. And he says, and behold, you will be silent and unable to speak until the day that these things take place, because you did not believe my words. Ah, ouch. Well, God, come on. I've been faithful to you all of these years. And don't you think anyone would have that doubt? You know? But what is, because he didn't believe, he wasn't able to speak. But if you take a look at this, and I hope you really take to heart these next few words. It says, which will be fulfilled in their time. Meaning that he's going to be not able to speak until things that God has planned before the earth was created. Because he said, which will be fulfilled in their time. Are you going through a situation right now that's hard? Are you going through a situation where you think God is silent? But what does it say? That God will act. God will answer your prayers. When? When the time is right. That this was all, this was not an accident. That this, that God had this plan. That this was going to be fulfilled in his proper time. So whatever you're going through right now, it's not like you caught God uh, off guard. It's, you know, for you, it's like, God, man, this is a curveball. What happened to you? Why weren't you there? Couldn't you see this coming? But for God, he goes, I know this is going to happen. And I allowed this to happen, whether you know it or not, but things happen because I've planned it, and things will happen in the fulfilled time. And then when the people were waiting for Zechariah, and they were wondering at his delay in the temple, and when he came out, he was unable to speak to them, and they realized that he had seen a vision in the temple, and he kept making signs to them and remained mute. And when the time of service ended, he went home. After those days, his wife Elizabeth conceived and for five months she kept herself hidden, saying, Thus the Lord has done for me in the days when he looked on me. She realized that all of those years of praying, God was always there. God was always there. And he looked on me to take away my reproach among people. He looked at me to take away the disappointment that the people had in me. All of the years of suffering ridicule, he took that 
away from her by giving her a son. But you notice she didn't say, man, God, why couldn't you have done this 40 years ago? It would have been nice if you could have done it maybe in my 20s or my teens, maybe 30s, 40s, right? But you waited now to do this, and she had to suffer all of those years. But you know what? She didn't compl- we don't see her complaining about it. She was just happy when she realized that God was looking upon her, that God never left her, and that God heard all of her ye- uh, prayers when she was in pain. And it says, in the sixth month, the angel Gabriel was sent from God to the city of Galilee named Nazareth, to a virgin betrothed to a man whose name was Joseph of the house of David, and the virgin's name is Mary. Do you find yourself in this story? Do you see yourself maybe as Zechariah, as one who, God, I'm doing my best to serve you. You know, all the other, all my other coworkers are cheating. They're doctoring their reports and they're advancing because of this. You know, I'm being honest at work and yet they're advancing and I'm not. You might be a student and said, you know what? You know, all these other students are getting good grades because they're, te- they're cheating. Yet I chose to live righteously and I get a bad grade. They're getting into a good college now because I chose, to be honest, I can't get into the college that I thought I wanted to get into. You know, and maybe that's you right now. Well, you're doing your best to live a blameless life despite seeing any of the promises or blessings in your life. You see your story in Zechariah. Or maybe you're here sitting today and you see your story in Elizabeth where for day after day, year after year, decade after decade, you are just experiencing the sorrow and pain and you're crying out to the Lord in your tears and it appears that God is doing nothing. And you wonder, where is he? And you're saying, God, if you're not going to answer the prayer, what's the whole purpose of following you. I could be doing so many other things with my life and my time. I could be doing so many other things with my money. God, where are you? And you see yourself in Elizabeth. But you may be here also as one who sees Zechariah and Elizabeth. And you choose to live righteously and blamelessly before the Lord because he could come at any moment. And even though you don't see the promise, even though you don't see the blessings, you have, still, you have chosen to live a life and walk blamelessly before the Lord. It doesn't mean that we're perfect. You know, Christmas reminds us that our faith is not misplaced when God seems to be silent. 400 years of silence where Israel didn't hear anything from God. 
Year after year after year of praying, Elizabeth didn't have her prayers answered. But but Christmas reminds us that our faith is not misplaced when God is seemingly silent. And he is not still during our times of silence. We have to make that clear. Just because God is silent does not mean that he is still, that he is not working, or that he doesn't care. And this is an example of God watching Elizabeth, being with Elizabeth. And it was hard for him to hear her prayers of tears, but knowing that, knowing that things needed to be fulfilled in his timing and that he has a plan for world for the world and finally it is a reminder that God hears us and blesses those who are faithful to him and so my encouragement to all of you if you're going through a, a tough time would you just let this Christmas be a time of hope that God is not silent that God may not be answering your prayers and that might, you might be crying out to him day after day year after year But God hears. He heard the prayers of Elizabeth and he answered them at their fulfilled time. And he will do so for you.